dust and breath me on Welcome to This Good Word, where every week we look at one single word in an endless discovery of reclaiming what's holy about our humanity. My name is Steve Weens. I'm a pastor, I'm a writer, and I'm a father of three crazy boys. My hope with this podcast is to create an environment where you can continually discover who you actually are in the world. So feel free to check out my website at steveweens.com, S-T-E-V-E-W-I-E-N-S.com, where you can find links to my blog, to purchase my book, which is called Beginnings, The First Seven Days of the Rest of Your Life, and also links to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Enjoy the podcast, everybody. Hey everybody, this good word, episode 47, Blind Spots with Steve Person. Steve is a dear friend of mine, one of my best friends. We uh, have had so many amazing conversations. We run together, work out together, uh, and uh, he's a therapist at Cedar Hill Therapy in Edina, and we're going to talk today about uh, what it takes to get really, really honest with your life and with others, and we're gonna talk about um, what happens when we let the blind spots take over and where we're not honest. We're gonna talk about a program for wholeness and wellness. We're gonna talk recovery, and uh, I loved this conversation with Steve, so get into it. Before that, I just wanna remind you, Sobriety and Spirit is happening this Saturday, June 25th, uh, me and Seth Haynes, along with Matt Moberg, are going to go after addiction, sobriety, spirituality, grace, and it's going to be amazing. So you can get your tickets on the show notes or just go to steveweens.com slash events. All right, enough about that. Uh, get into this conversation with Steve Person. You're going to love him. Hey everybody, we're here with Steve Person. Hey, Steve. Hey buddy, how you doing? So great to have you, man. Good to finally um, be on here. I hear well, these, I, you know, I probably have had about forty runs where I'm listening to you on here. So <laughs> it was high time. It was that that we had you on the on yeah. the on this good word, uh, Steve. We've known each other for I don't know seven eight years. Yeah, about that. A uh, lot of runs together. Uh, Steve punishes me now every Wednesday <laughs> right. at one thirty as we work out. Uh, I'm trying to remind myself that I used to lift, and uh, now I'm trying to lift again. Uh, but Steve, you're a therapist. You work at Cedar Hill Therapy in Edina, and you love to help people work through trauma. Yep, that would be true. Yeah. And so it's people, people might, men see you, couples see you, they see you when they find themselves addicted to something, they see you when they find themselves uh, having to work through something that they just they can't work through on their own. Yeah, yeah. So today we get too far into that, though. I want to yeah. do say one thing, uh, just as a little plug for the infertility podcast. When was it? Yeah. When did you and Mary do that? Oh now? gosh, um, we could put it on the show notes, but I think it was at least four months ago, three or four yeah. months ago, maybe more. So you've been a huge help to my wife and I. We've been going through this since about we got married, so about four years, and. Uh, as Steve sees here, looking at my fridge, we have a ultrasound picture of twins on the way. So it has been quite the ride and uh, pretty exciting to, uh, yeah, just I uh, want to thank you because you've been on yeah. the journey with me and Mary and it's been, uh, Heidi and I are very excited. Well, we so, love you guys so yeah. much, man. And I mean, it is fully public now, 14 weeks along, twins. Yeah. So, of course... I think the listeners know I have twins and an older one, Isaac and Ben and Lynch. And so when you told me that, when you showed me the picture on your cell phone, I don't know, whenever it was, yeah, uh, 
and there was like two, you know, there was two, so clearly two heartbeats on that ultrasound. I was like, oh my gosh. gosh. So I'll be calling you a lot. And yeah, you will. Come over and babysit you whenever you want. And you sure. won't remember anything for the first two years yeah, that's of what everyone's telling their me, life. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah, yeah. So fun. Oh, congratulations. Anyway. So uh, the word today is blind spot. And uh, I think it's our heart to talk about when you get into a, a period in time of your life when you have when you're trying to face something and it's taking you out. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's manifesting in some addictions or it, life just feels out of control. Uh, Steve, you say to me that th- there's this, like the, the, the whole key to therapy or wholeness is honesty. Mm-hmm. Like that's the, that's the foundational practice. So I think when we're talking about blind spots, some of, I assume what you do with your clients is help them see those things that they don't see so they can be honest. Yeah. Um, Which is really hard. I mean, you know, it, I think, you know, I'll tell you a story. I think I was 20 years old, um, 19, 20, and had been through quite a few relationships, and they ended all with similar comments from the people I was with. Something to the effect of, I just can't get in. I just can't get mm-hmm. in is what they would tell me. And it wouldn't even be date. I mean, it was just it was sort of this theme I heard, and I... It was after about the 10th time, because I'm not a quick learner. I actually went and saw my own therapist and yeah. thought, I, I don't think there's anything to this, but what do you think? I really didn't. I thought they were crazy. Yes. I'm like, I better ask the question. So I asked the therapist, and I kind of told him my story. <clears throat> and the therapist said many things. You know, one of them was, you might be one of the more shut down people I've ever met in my life, which is always a great thing to hear, when I thought I was really open. Thank you. Um, Thank you very little. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I had paid for that. <laughs> but um, I remember walking out of there thinking, okay. I remember praying and just saying, God, if there's any truth to this, because I was convinced it wasn't true. I was, yeah. I literally, when he said, yeah, Steve, you know, you're shut down. It seems like everything in your life, almost. And I, you know, I told him about some sexual abuse stuff in my past. And I told him about a lot of things. And I talked about very cognitively I was just very processed in my head and I remember telling him um, he would say like wow wasn't that really hard for you and I would say I mean yeah I guess but Jesus died on the cross so Mm -hmm. what you know if he did that for me why would I need to complain about this that was the way I sort of processed that and I really thought I was pretty healthy at 20 and uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean I laugh but you just said some pretty profound things there that like he really noticed that you um, were telling this pretty intense story of sexual mm-hmm. abuse but with no affect you know no, just you know what no, no it's fine and, and you had you had some reasons why you were going to be okay yeah so there was a huge blind spot i mean huge. do you want to do you want to talk about some of your story growing up and just your childhood yeah i mean i'll touch on it a little bit i mean I, I i had uh you know a lot of ways a somewhat typical childhood but i did have we had i had some abuse happen with a grandpa and then just a pretty my parents are great, and uh, you know, um, they really are. And I'm close with both of my parents, but it was a um, pretty chaotic environment. My parents got separated, divorced in the middle school time, not a great time, and they were just rustling through their own stuff. And it kind of left me in a pretty chaotic environment. But again, a lot of that's in hindsight. Because what you do in the middle of all that, I'm just surviving. So I, yeah. I don't, when someone would say, well, that sounds chaotic, I would say, no. It's I'm normal. Fine. I'm yeah. fine. I mean, that was like my thing to the therapist at 20 was, I'm fine. Like, yeah, my parents got divorced. I'm fine. Like, yeah, I had some abuse in my past. I'm fine. Like, why do I need to worry about all this stuff? But what was starting to happen was, and I think it's uh, Paula D'Arcy writes, God will come to you disguised as your life. And what started... Mm-hmm to happen was right is I, how I was showing up in the world was way different than how I thought I was and that's a horrible moment I mean it really is this horrible moment I mean I was fasting and praying and I was a, I was working at church I was I was um, pretty spiritual I thought <laughs> if you would have asked me I would well you know I, had, I did a 21 day fast in there somewhere like in 19 I mean it was like crazy wow. stuff I thought boy well and weren't you um, weren't you like getting all kinds of accolades from all these leaders and everything for your spirituality too. Where I mean, I just remember that from your story. Like you were 
uh, I mean, pardon the phrase, but you were kind of a big deal in your in your in your setting ministry well, I wise. Yeah, I mean, it was just there was a there was a for sure our, the youth group was growing and there was a lot of hey, you know, yeah, you're in you can be in this for a long haul. And when people were telling you yeah, things, absolutely, a lot of a lot of prophetic words, prophetic words over like you. That. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of reasons why you're fine. Yeah. You know, pe- no, I mean, people are saying. Great thing. I mean, you don't therapist if, if you if, if you talk to the pastor because <laughs> he thinks I'm great, yeah, yeah. you know. But you're 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 putting on this yeah. this face and but um, it's interesting you said that how you really were is very different than mm-hmm. than the than the person you were you were presenting. Well, I didn't know. I don't think I knew because I, I mean my quiet time at that point was I would spend less time talking about to praying to God saying I know I'm this new man. I sure don't feel like it, but. I'm going to put it on. I'm going to keep putting it on. I, I didn't realize that a lot of that's kind of BS. And, the, and when I say it's BS, it's like you. the process of change is painful. And it's not just being able to say a prayer. Sometimes it is, but most times it's you got to walk it out day by day by day by day. You know? um, so your childhood included abuse and it included divorce and... It sounds like you coped with that by achieving, by being mm-hmm. kind of a superstar in the religious realm. Yeah. Um, how long did it take for that to run out? Hmm. I mean, it was running out quickly. At, 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 at 20, I was seeing a lot of inconsistencies in my life. It was starting to... Um, I remember I was... I had a friend that was very much okay with verbalizing feelings and anger toward God and it was so uncomfortable for me. I remember thinking, this is so wrong that you, like, I mean, I was like, <laughs> yeah, this is you so can't wrong. Say you that. can't say that stuff. So it's like, but, it, you know, as I fast forward through my 20, I remember saying that prayer of God, like if there's any truth to this, what this they're saying, show me. And he did. And my life pretty much absolutely fell apart for the next 10 years. And I would say that was God's mercy to me. Yeah. He, he, uh, you know, Hebrews 12 says, no discipline feels pleasant for the moment, but in due time it yields peaceful fruit of righteousness. Mm. And, you know, for those of us, I, I just think that that season, it's about a 10 year season of my life was, uh, it didn't get easier because it was like, I mean, in a lot of ways, I sort of equate it to like uh, when Peter in the Bible was telling Jesus, I'll never deny you. Yeah. And pretty yeah. soon it's like you just face it all. It's like, wow, not only... Was I more really shut down? <clears throat> now I'm realizing I'm in, I'm in a ton of pain. I don't know if any of this face stuff even works. Is it just a bunch of BS and yeah. a bunch of we're all going to pretend? And I started really being curious: Does anyone have the life? Does anyone actually have a life I would want to have? Not just heaven later, but like today. Does right. anyone like have any peace or contempt in their life? And um, what I'd say about that when it comes to blind spots was what a huge blind spot. I had. I mm. thought that um, I was dealing with it. I thought I remember hearing, I talking to someone, you know, whenever I was, when they were talking about, oh, I'm having a lot of trouble forgiving somebody, and I would, I would actually tell them like, oh, why, you know, why? I mean, Jesus forgives you. He died on the cross for you. How could you? I remember? It's like it's, it's it's painful to know I said that. I mean, I'm like, gosh, but that's really how I thought in my early teens, you know, early tw- or late teens, early twenties. That was um, a lot of uh, spiritual nonsense <laughs> so well and i wonder okay this is just me wondering mm-hmm. but if you if because you grew up pretty chaotic mm-hmm. you needed some order yeah and you needed some black and white and you needed some easy to understand rules that would hold you yeah and that answer comes from a person that it is needs security and answers and black and white the grace is when that no longer works for you yeah. because there's just so much more to yeah. be had than that. Cause that's the life is so much more complex than exactly. so much more yeah. complex. Yeah. So it sucks. And that Hebrews 12, um, part of that journey is breaking apart this, this container that Richard Rohr talks about the mm-hmm. container that we we've, we've received when we were children that needs to be broken mm-hmm. so that it can expand to include what's more so um in those 10 years did you ever like lose a job or like you know kind of like oh my gosh something big happened that um yeah i had a lot i had plenty more relationships continue to fail for yeah. me um 
I started kind of because I had gone to I I, st- I got into the business world and really was trying to rise the ranks in that world and I really just started to find that my life was fine. I mean, I couldn't keep that together. It was a lot of places I just couldn't keep it together. I yeah. just felt like I was carrying all these different because internally I felt like I'm kind of falling apart. I'm yeah. sort of having to re. Um, I'm I'm really back to kind of who am I? Like what what are the things that I'm about? And so eventually the job stuff fell apart for me. I mean I, I if you ever read the Shack Paul Young's interview plenty of times where he says I was a chronic lever. Yeah. That was what I just I, I spent my twenties leaving things when they got hard. Yeah. I mean I really did. So relationships, um, jobs. I'd hear God call me elsewhere. <laughs> ah, see, that's the thing about us Christians. Yeah. So easy to blame it on God. No one can argue with that. You yeah. can't argue with that. Yeah. So, I mean, I entered into therapy. That's the, the thing that did help me um, was for one of the first time in my life, I entered into a relationship with a therapist where she knew my story. Yeah. And she continue to know my story so because I, I what I used to do is I would change friends or change groups or some people would know this much about me and this other group would know this part about me so who could ever give me good advice because they never knew the whole story right and again all stuff I didn't know I was doing I didn't you know it's not like I if you, blind spot yeah it was a blind spot I, I just had no idea I was doing that and then you know um so kind of working fast forwarding probably to how things changed for me and what but you know that I would say having a relationship and I started having you know relationships I had a lot of relationships yeah quite a few more was like wow these are people that know my whole life Mm -hmm. and unfortunately when you have people that don't know your whole life they only know segments of life you're gonna you're just gonna keep the blind spots up and I did that so and you can you can Um, and that's I think what leaving relationships jobs Mm -hmm. allows you to keep yourself in the dark and other people in the dark and I think you end up self-sabotaging you know what what could be really great this job or relationship because maybe there's fear do you think it's fear that stops you do you think there's an unconscious part of you that wants to show what's really in there to someone um yeah, that's and, a great question um tell me more about that asset i want to well say that a little more yeah so so there was so you left stuff so that you didn't have to share your story mm-hmm but I know you, and I know that the way you feel loved the most is by people really knowing you and seeing you. Yeah. So there was part of Steve Person that wanted to be known and was probably buried under years of neglect and stuff. So I just wonder, like, as you work with people, you know, how do you try to unearth some of those unconscious motivations that might be lurking there? so that people can get help um that's a great question it's that's tough work because yeah. i you know what my therapist and i did and she had the she you know here's i would always try to get her to answer questions for me like what should i do with this relationship and what should i do here what should i do with this job and she was just committed to she would always say steve i, I think you know the answer yeah. but you haven't listened to your heart in a long time wow and so back to the abuse and trauma stuff and the work I do with um, a lot of the clients I see is and if I were to say here if someone asked me what's your what's your theory on how do people change and I, yeah. I would I believe that as we listen to our hearts as we whatever you can call it heart soul or that internal thing and I think obviously if obvious trauma comes in early the voice shuts off pretty quick and you just start surviving yeah and so you're listening to like if, if you can kind of picture it it's like there's another voice inside there's called the survival guy yeah and he's just saying don't let them in don't let them in don't do this they're getting too close you should probably leave that relationship and that's healthy for a while right yes. i mean when you're seven yeah. survival guy is huge he's like helpful. you you he need served, survival served guy. you really well when you're and 21 so, when i met my wife my future wife if survival guy's yelling to leave that's not great right because you know we're fast forwarding way ahead yeah. but like if i wouldn't i don't know but i don't know what it would have been like but I was able to hear a different, a different voice at 32. So, so anyway, so in, in the therapy room and in my, in, you know, with my own therapy, there was never, there was never a shortcut. Yeah. And it was, um, she was committed to the belief that if I listened, if I could learn to listen to my own heart and, um, it would lead me home. Man. And so, 
And you I, stayed in that relationship. I did. You didn't leave that. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's the grace thing. Because I, um, yeah, funny story. How I actually, my brother wouldn't mind me sharing this, how I actually, um, you know, got into this relationship was I had known her from another world, but, and our family was going through some stuff. My brother had been drinking or whatever, went through this thing. So I called her and said, man, my brother really needs some help. And then I would joke with her on the phone, like someday I may come in for a cleanup and I'm pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little tune up. I may come in for a tune up someday. A tune so up. now we always joke that, well, this car needed, it's like a, it's like my father-in-law's 1969 Camaro he remade. It's like, <laughs> I needed actually an overhaul. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But boy, did she mirror for me. I mean, she honestly mirrored for me the closest, you know, than my wife. She mirrored for me the process of healing, which is slow and enough day by day and fits and starts. This wasn't a, this wasn't a victory march by any means. Yeah. Just to be real clear with everyone. This, is, this was, but boy, when I, the times I would be like, wow, I think, you know, in hindsight, like, wow, I really listened to my heart there. Um, there's nothing better. I mean, it's just, yeah. she, you know, I, in the room with people, I don't sit there and think I know how to fix them. I think we can cooperate with you hearing your own heart. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure where that's going to, where we're going to go. But um, it's terrifying to start listening to that voice. It's right. really terrifying. Right, because maybe it's been 30 years since you've really listened to that voice. It have been 30 years. And, you know, uh, well, let me ask you the question. What, why is it? Why is it terrifying? Be, well, uh, yeah, I, maybe that's different for everyone. For me, it's like, do I, there's, because you do, I do kind of get thrown back into sort of dealing with life at a five-year-old level. Yeah. I remember being in like an Al-Anon type meeting, and in this meeting you, um, you do a feelings check-in. Yeah. And this feelings check-in, it's, it, it was a, it's a bunch of men in this group, and I'm, it's um, 7 a.m. on a Friday, and I'm like, first time there just thinking I'll do what I always do in these group settings I'll find a way to blend in you mm-hmm. know because one thing people with trauma do is they're, they become hyper vigilant they know how to blend in fast they actually uh, train they you know they train snipers and people in the military to be hyper vigilant how do you kind of read the room and know what's going on well if you've been traumatized you you learn that skill young wow. you just, so I'm always scanning for safety wow I wouldn't have known that I would just thought hey I always like to sit this part of the room because I don't like my back to the door yeah and that's just how I am, right? I mean, you know, it's like yeah, I can be yeah, kind of mad yeah. about it. Like that's just how I am. Don't I don't need to analyze it. But right. a part of that was not feeling safe. So I get in this room, and the first guy, you do this, you kind of say who you are. Here's my name, and then you say, and I'm feeling today. And this guy goes, I'm feeling some joy. I'm feeling a little sadness. I'm feeling some fear, and I'm feeling some hope. And I'm like, I actually knew he was actually able to like look inside yeah. and say exactly how he's feeling authentically. And I was like whoa and I had like 10 people to me so I figured I could cobble the words together like I would be like oh and so I did he got to me and I was like ah you know I'm feeling a little tired feeling some joy feeling some fear I pass you know so yeah I had so that went on for a year I went to that group for a year and um then one day in the group I said I have no effing idea how I'm feeling and uh, I've been lying about that for a year ah uh. And my past. Wow. And somehow that truth started to set me free. Like, Well, that was honest. I was finally honest. It took me a year, to be honest. Just that I don't know what I'm feeling. So you asked the question, why is it hard? Because I stopped listening a long time ago to what I felt. Um, another story around that is, you know, most of my life, I've, I would say I wake up a little depressed. That's how I always defined it. Like, kind of getting out of bed felt like a little bit like I was laying in mud and I yeah. had to get out of it. Yeah. As I got older, I kind of had a routine to get through that. I'd wrestle out of bed, I'd get some coffee, run to Caribou, get a workout in, and then I kind of like, I'm back to normal. I don't know. It's yeah. like, that's my, de- de- you know, I'm like, I'm depressed. It's like, that's my way to get back. Yeah. Um, and so I had a mentor in my 30s say, why do you always, how do you know you're depressed? I'm glad I am. I mean, that's what I think. I've read the thing. I know, like, yeah. I'm not, I'm fine, but I have some friends in my life. I know that's not how they wake up. It's like they wake up with an extra dose of serotonin and dopamine. I mean, they just are really happy, and I'm yeah. like, that's not me. I wake up, and it's, um, back then I woke up, and it was like, I got to get myself to normal, and I can't think of a reason to get out of bed. Yeah. That's sort of depression. So 
I had I had a mentor, and I was telling him this. He was like, so what do you do in the morning? I kind of told him, well, I do this and this and this. And he said, he said to me, um, you know, I wonder. It's interesting when you say you're, uh, you're depressed. I, I wonder if you might just be really sad. And just hot tears roll down my eyes. Wow. That, he goes, I wonder if you just haven't grieved all the losses you felt. Mm-hmm. And having someone come in at a young age and take away your innocence around sexuality. And, yeah. And I'm, <laughs> internally, I'm thinking, shut up. <laughs> like, yeah. But I couldn't, you know, sometimes the truth sneaks in before I can laugh it off. And yeah. So I started to, you know, pay attention to the things that made me cry before I could get my defenses back up. And, mm-hmm. um, so learning to say to myself, wow, I might just be, I'm pretty sad. I'm feeling a little sad this morning. I'm feeling some heaviness. I'm feeling some fear. I'm feeling some joy to be able to actually honestly say I'm feeling some joy. Yeah. You know, um, quite a process. Mm-hmm. So big time. Yeah. And so is that one of your practices now to sort of wake up and name, name what's real, name what's honest, name, name your feelings? Oh yeah, I mean that—that that is, um, yeah. I mean it's probably—it's it, still a lot of work. Yeah. I mean it really, it, you know, in the in couples therapy we do a lot of when I work with couples we talk about most couples fight about their secondary emotions. They mm-hmm. learn how, they know how to communicate anger and yeah, you're an idiot and I'm annoyed and if you wouldn't do that, so we call those like secondary emotions. Primary emotions are like I'm afraid. Yeah. And when you when we're arguing and you leave. I'm afraid that you might not come back. Yeah. Um, so there's this whole, it's called emotionally focused. There's a whole school of therapy based on just getting couples to talk about their primary emotions to say what is really going on. Cause most times in any relationship, it's like, you're not actually talking about the thing. Oh yeah. And so you just like, it never feels resolved. And then it's like, then of course, why would I want to do therapy or even talk about this? Cause like that just felt terrible. And I didn't get resolved. So most times it's cause you're not actually talking about the thing. And so that practice sure helps my relationship with my wife because yeah. we both try to talk about and think about and be honest about like I don't quite know what's going on here. I'm something's going on inside of me and I'm mad and I I'm not sure why. Yeah. Instead of rushing to I know why it's because you left the fridge open or something. Yeah. Which is not how you and I would argue about, but you know. So yeah, that's a part of my practice. Um authenticity I mean if I, people I get that a lot like I would say that's a word that um, trying to be as authentic as I can I remember Paul Young saying when he was telling his story and he has a sex you know if he, a similar sexual abuse story um, he's the author of the shack yeah the author of the shack he said uh, he knew he was getting closer to wholeness when he was the same person in every situation Wow wow and wow, I thought, wow when I first heard that ten years ago I thought that'd be impossible hmm now I see your dance that that's that's how that is how I live. I don't have to try yeah. to be somewhere when I'm with my certain these certain friends or those certain friends. And so that's part of it. I have a you know, we you and I were just talking the other day about like what's our program. Yeah. Like what's our program and would that be helpful to kind of I think talk that'd about? be fantastic. So the context is well, yeah, give the context. Well, yeah, so and I know you guys is that recovery thing this weekend? Your recovery Yes. Yeah, yes. sobriety and spirit. Saturday, June 25th, 93. Uh, you can go on the show notes to get a ticket, but it's with Seth Haynes. And, yeah. and we're talking addiction, recovery, sobriety. What does it mean to get to a place in your life where something is out of control? Mm-hmm. And, and But instead of trying hard to get it under control, white-knuckling it, just deciding, mm-hmm. you actually have to say day by day, I, this thing's going to kill me unless I work my program and yeah. it's daily. Yeah. And so I was asking you just in terms of some of your own, um, some of your own recovery from your own trauma, what's your program? Like what are the things that you have to do daily, weekly so that you're less susceptible to falling prey to the things that you might want to fall prey to? Yeah. And um, I was joking with you that I said, if someone looks in my car Oh, yeah. Or in my calendar, and saw what I really did, not what I mean, was in there. They would know how I'm doing. Like if I have Mc- or your trash can. That's what I meant. If I have McDonald's in my trash can and Taco Bell in my trash can, or in your car, in my car, you know, I'm probably not doing great. Um, which whatever, not nothing against them, but just kind of like so. I I for sure have a 
My friend Amber Salas would really take issue with that. I love Taco Bell, Bell, by the way. Yeah, well, I love Taco Bell. By so the way. shout out to Amber. I know she's listening. So she's gonna she's gonna say okay. Whew, whew. She just hyperventilated <laughs> yeah. there and said no 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 Taco Bell is good. Taco Bell is anyway. Yeah. So my therapist asked me once, how do you know when you're giving up on yourself? Hmm. When how do you know when you're giving up on yourself? Hmm. Um, I have a men's group I go to on Wednesday night. Yeah. Um, if I miss that a lot, that's a good sign I'm giving up on myself. Yeah. Um, at least four days a week of some sort of yoga, um, something fitness for me is a way that I take try to take care of myself and believe that I'm worth taking care of. Yeah, there you so go. So the yoga thing, I mean, has been interesting. And a shout out to Bessel van der Kork. There's a book called um, Your Body Keeps the Score yes. on Earthing Trauma. So, and Chris the Tippet interviewed him as well on did. on being. So we'll put the sh- the links to the book and the um and the um the podcast with Chris the Tippet on the show notes because it's so great. Yeah. So Bessel and boy, this would be another a longer conversation. But Bessel talks about how he's done his research around um, how much how much of trauma is locked in our body. Yep. So, um. You know, yeah. So, I found I found in yoga, um, and yoga's hard for me. These things are not like, oh, I wake up every morning just excited for right. yoga. It's like, wow, um, I need to even have some disciplines around getting there. Which yeah. is why, like you and I run. Yeah. Told Steve this the other day that I find that I because I like hanging out with people, and that's a higher value to me than working out. If I can set them both up, then they happen. Right, like, right. We, we both have joked, like, oh, buddy, if I wasn't meeting you today, I would have canceled. And if I wasn't yeah. meeting you today, like today, we went and ran down <laughs> or walked it, sort of. And so I learned to do that. as I started, when I, that became part of my program, I found people who are, who I know, good friends of mine, who are very more, more dedicated to me, yeah. in a sense. And I would, they became kind of my workout buddies. And yeah. so, and Heidi loves yoga, loves to do it. She's a trainer in Orange Theory, so I have some built-in buffers there from yeah. a cost standpoint. But so, getting that in, if I'm not doing that, yep, um, you're giving up on yourself. Yeah, it's sort of, and again, it's all within. It's and so that would be one. So it's, and and I still do therapy every other week, my mm-hmm. own therapy. So um, men's group therapy, working out, and all of that. Heidi and I do a date night. So yep. for the, I mean, every Tuesday we we were just so we will be married four years in December, and we think we've missed four. Wow! So if you do like what fifty two weeks a year? Yeah. So last night we went to the tiny diner over Ugh. by Hiawatha, this super cool spot that has this outdoor patio. So we try all these new restaurants, try to, and yeah. Again, we aren't in the twin craze yet, so I know we'll need. People keep saying, "Well, yeah, we did date nights until." So what's we'll don't listen to that crap? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll. We believe we'll figure that out, yeah. but uh, yeah, we will figure that out. So just her and I connecting is so important. Um, she's my best friend, yeah. and we have a lot of fun together, and she also knows me really, really well and yeah. sees me in ways I can't see myself. So um, an example of that is just, you know, we, you and I have been talking a little bit about finances and how that's like one of my struggles is getting wrapped up about what if there's not enough and what if... and. Um, she helps me see that there's enough there will be enough there will be enough yeah and we're gonna be all right even if maybe there isn't the things you want we'll have what we need yeah and so that date night is you know it's it's much more than a date night it's just we need structured time where our cell phones are not with us to go connect that's important to me um and then using the phone, I, I use the phone for me. And again, this is my program now, because you, I know I'd love to hear kind of what you think yeah. yours is. That would be important. To me. I think it'd be good for other people to hear because this doesn't need to be everyone else's. But mine is around how I eat. Yep. How am I taking care of my physical body? Yep. How am I taking care of my mental health? How am I taking care of my spiritual health? And I have a pretty simple um, thing around that. And it's that I believe that I don't need to beg God for anything. I think mm. that he's coming to me every day disguised as my life. Yep. And if I can be honest with my life, that truth will set me free. Yep. And so, I, you know, I heard that growing up as a kid. The truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. So I thought that meant confess my sins. Yeah. That's what I thought that meant. And the truth is some ideological, or not even ideological, but it was like this religious thing. The truth will set you free means that believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins 
will set you free. Yeah. And on one level, yes, but if that... I wasn't very free. No. I was not very free. There's lots of people who believe that (laughs) who aren't free. Yeah. Um, And so, and that's why, like, I was just, so lately I've I've been talking to quite a few people who are in recovery and people who are in 12-step groups. And what I observe is people are working their program because they have to or else, I mean, to save their life, they have to. It's a dependency, a good dependency. Like yeah. they've, tr- like I am out of control without um, these things that are day by day graces from God in my life. So that you know, and it's all really most of it seems to be about self care. Yeah, that's a great um, exactly. I mean, it really is. So like for me, I'm an introvert, even though no one guesses that because you know I'm creative and I like speaking, but my really i mean you know my true self i mean i'm an introvert and so part of my program is once a month i'm going tomorrow once a month i I have six hours in this place that's this beautiful place uh that's six hours of solitude i turn my phone off i turn email off sometimes i write sometimes i take naps sometimes i read books but it's set aside every month for me to be alone Uh, i desperately need that um two is around my schedule like i'm in this I'm in this thing right now where for about two weeks I have something every night, you know, and I just know that's going to like, that's not good for me. That will, I mean, probably most people that, but I need about four nights a week where I'm at home with Mary and the kids. We put the kids to bed and then it's time for me and Mary to watch Netflix or talk or read books together. And if I'm not getting that, I'm not, I, I will start to, Unhinge. I will start to become unhinged. I have to get up early in the morning and do my prayers. I mean, really, I listen to Pray, Pray As You Go, this great podcast um, that kind of leads you to your scripture. And and um, and my son Elijah comes down and about at about ten to seven, and he comes down for us to read a psalm together. And so we're we're starting to do this this program together, where I, I, awesome. I say, okay, pick pick a number, one through one hundred and fifty. There's one hundred fifty psalms. He goes, uh, 61, you know, so we'll read Psalm 61 and then we'll just do a quick prayer. And it's just become like for him, it's probably mostly just time with dad. Yeah, it's great. But hopefully if we keep doing this, it's for both of us, this, you know, this, this time of centering and connecting, but I'm still really in process of figuring out what my program is because I've really been thinking about it ever since you and I talked a couple weeks ago because you were just, you knew your four or five things. And what I said to myself is I don't really know my four or five things. Yeah. I, I have to I have to hone them down. I know there's some working out, there's some being alone, there's some there is some stuff around eating and drinking. Um I, I can get out Needing of control. To drink is that part you're <laughs> Needing yeah. to drink. Yeah. I have to have at least three drinks tonight just to kind of make sure I'm good. That's my program. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, it's around making sure that that's not the only way. I know. I, yeah. I know. Um, just give me our time. So um how how would you um, encourage people to to begin to pursue honesty so that their blind spots aren't just uh, you know maybe people are listening to this and they're just things are pinging you know it's like oh my gosh yeah I'm shut down totally shut down that leaving thing I do that um, shutting down relationships I do that um, medicating by using too much whatever whatever you know banana nut muffins um alcohol whatever it is yep i do that um and i'm not living a kind of life that's attractive to me or anyone well i'd say join the club first yeah exactly meaning i really mean that yeah like join the club we all have them so if you want if you want to be in the club that's trying to pretend you don't have them it's kind of because that's, I mean, there's plenty of us in the world, that, and we all have, I still have plenty right now as I'm talking, even trying to describe the ones I've seen a little bit, there's a bunch more I'm not seeing. Yeah. And just knowing that, the, having the humility to look at my life and be like, wow, the thing I keep fighting with my wife about that I'm sure is her fault. Yeah. If, if you're saying I'm sure it's her, I'm going to, if I just have to wager I don't know you, you're, it's probably you. Yeah. So... That is a horrible realization. It really yeah. is a horrible. So 
I think starting to have a practice of being really curious about the things you're super sure of. Yes. You're super sure. I am. Um, I was so sure I did not have intimacy issues. Yeah. I was convinced of it. Yeah. Although I did cry through Goodwill Hunting many times, which was one of the things that movie's all about, um, is if anyone gets too close, he's going to push you away. Yeah. And I cried through that. I mean, if someone yeah. had little ninja skills, if I had my own ninja skills in my own life, I would see that. I should probably pay attention to what makes me cry. Yeah. So that would be another thing. Pay attention to what moves you. And maybe it's not to you, but just pay attention to the times that a story, you know, C.S. Lewis says, story has a way to get past the dragons that guard us, mm. guard our hearts. So pay attention to the times. What are some times where all of a sudden something got in? Yeah. And you didn't want to get in. You didn't want to be true. Yeah. Um, example, I want everyone to think I don't worry about money. Yeah. I... But more importantly, I believe to myself, I don't worry about money. I'm the guy that doesn't worry about money. It's all good. I mean, if someone asks me, oh, it's all good. It'll always work out. Yeah. But my shoulders were tightening. Yeah. I was not sleeping. Um, so my life was telling me something different. My yeah. body was telling me something different. And so, I don't, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm, this is not, if it were easy, meaning, oh, here's no, just three steps to how to look at your blind spots. Have a curiosity about what you're really sure about. Yep. Keep that curiosity. And find some, find some safe people to talk to about or just to notice it. And, you know, yeah. even if, if you're a praying person who prays, invite God. Say, God, show me. And I'm telling you, that is just a horribly dangerous prayer because he will show you. And it's going to... you. <laughs> Paul Young is our story. I feel like I have a love affair with Paul Young. And I do, if you know me well, I do have a love affair with Paul Young. Yeah, I do. That's but, good. Um, he tells a story about, um, and yeah, I'll, I'll quick tell a story. So he he had written the shack and it had kind of blown up. No, it's right before he, it was, he was writing the shack. Didn't know he was writing the shack. He was just writing these things on a train. And can I just pause? Yeah. So the shack is this story that was written maybe five, six, ten years ago. Paul Young wrote a book for his kids, right? Yeah, and didn't know he was writing a book. He thought he was yeah, his, it was, his yeah. wife said to him, um, can you put down in in something, like a little letter to our kids or whatever, how you think about God, how you think about the world. Yeah, and so anyway, so he wrote So this, that turned into this, yeah. he had little cobbled pieces of paper. He was working two jobs. They were living, it was four or five kids living in an 1,100 square foot house in Gresham. Yep. And they have well, yeah, five kids, one bathroom. And yeah. he, he was, tells a story about how he was talking to God about why do we always, we always struggle with money up and down, up and down, up and down. And so he decided, he goes, and now he goes, I had been now working on his, he had been doing kind of his program for a good eight to 10, 11 years. So it wasn't, I'm spiritually going to fast because God will like me. He's like, I'm just going to take a break for some stuff and try to see if God will talk to me about my finances. He's like, he thought he felt really clearly at one point. God said, Paul, you've never trusted me. You keep telling me you trust me with money. You've always had a bat, something in your back pocket. You've always had a little angle here. You've always had a side thing here. You've never just trusted me with that. Hmm. And he said that I thought for sure that was the enemy talking to me. I thought for sure wow. it was God. So another thing about your blind spots, they may sound like the devil. Yeah. I mean, that is this hard one to swallow. But it's yeah. like, that couldn't be me. No. I couldn't have. So very recently for me, that was this thing about money where it's like, I kind of pride myself. Matter of fact, I get annoyed by people that worry about money. And I'm the guy that worries about money. So how do I hear that? I think that becomes a, something the more you practice. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, maybe you can sum up. I, I kind of got lost there in what I said, but as far as this kind of the one, two, three. But Well, what I heard you say, and I might not get it all, but stay really curious about the things you're certain about. I don't have a problem with money. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with alcohol. I don't have a problem with lying. I don't have a problem with, I'm, I'm, I'm doing fine. Just just be curious about those things you're certain of. Pay attention to where you cry. Pay attention to emotions that sort of, yeah, yeah. and that catch you off guard. And I would add joy to that too. Absolutely. Like things that <gasps> take your breath away with joy. Um, and gets, gets find some people that really are safe places I heard you say, and that's tough. I mean, I will say in my experience, because for me, a safe person, and you're a safe person for me, um, you might give me advice from time to time. Yeah. Um, Try not to. But I know you're not trying to fix me, and I know there's not really anything I could tell you. You might want to kick my ass sometimes, (laughs) you know, because, I mean, if I tell you something that was really stupid, 
because you love me, you might. It, it, but yeah, exactly. but but nothing I nothing I say is gonna shock you or like make you not think I'm away. the worst. Per- yeah, you're not gonna give up on me. So I think safe people. Um, and so I'll tell a story uh, that I've written about before. But I'm in therapy. This is five years ago, maybe, and I was just so devastated over, over a broken relationship. And I said this thing to my therapist. I said, I'm just, I'm just, my biggest fear is that it was all my fault. Hmm. You know, is that I, actually what I said is that I effed it all up. That's my biggest fear. I effed it all up. And he paused and he looked at me and he said, oh, Steve, I'm certain you effed it all up. (laughs) Yes. And at first I'm like, what? Gotta go. But but I, I could tell, like, I smelled freedom. In that statement, I smelled freedom. And I, I kind of said, okay, what do you mean? He goes, well, all right, what if you, what if you have it all up? And he said, walk all the way down that plank and jump off. That's good. And what's going to happen? Well, well, we'll find out together. And honestly, that was because my, like, faulty program was... If I go through a conflict, it ha- I have to have done everything in my power to to not be at fault. Couldn't have made any mistakes. I couldn't have made any mistakes, or if I did make a mistake, I had to I had to fix it right away. Like if if something was going to break down, it couldn't have been because I screwed it up. Yeah. And what he was telling me was, you did. He didn't even know, but he was right. And but instead of that devastating me. That's where you're saying, like, your life is, you, you, God comes to you disguised as your life. The way I would say that is your curriculum for life, for growth, for transformation is your life. Mm-hmm. So you can take these opportunities. Exactly it. It's like, so I screwed up a relationship. And instead of that devastating me and swallowing in shame, wallowing in shame, I actually can, that, I can use that experience as a way to, to grow. Yeah. And to say, oh my, I can... I will survive this. And I screwed it up. I yeah. really did. And and actually, I really did. And as the years went on, I realized how much yeah. <laughs> it really was me. Yeah. Um, how freeing, right? Yeah. I mean, there is yeah. this sort of like, because I was thinking when you were saying, I'm like, what if I have to all up? And I kind of want to stop you. Like, well, what if you did? Yeah. What if you did? Because, right, it's like, yeah. it, there's something about all of us like, well, that can't be. If that has to be, if I have to go to someone and say, I remember having to do this more recently with somebody. We're like, yeah. I, here's what I did. Yeah. And here's how I want to, here's how I want to make it right. Yeah. And what was hardest about having to do that was I had, I knew I had no defense. I couldn't think of a reason that would make it seem like that was a good idea to do at the time. Yeah. And it was just, it was killing me to be like, I just have to let it sit there that here's what I did. And I'm so sorry about that. Yeah. Instead of being, and because I was really stressed at the time and all, you know, whatever, right? Like I wanted to justify it and all that. Yeah. I, I knew that none of those just, it just, I, 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 I hurt you there. Yeah. And I'm really sorry. And just being okay that, yeah, I did that. Yeah. And, and it's okay. Yeah. And then I really was able to sort of like stand tall. Yeah. I think there's a part of it with you. Where it's like when you walk through that relationship yeah. thing, you can stand tall and be like, hey, here's, here's what I did. Yeah. I'd love to hear how it affected you. Right. If you'd like to share it, but I do want you to know, I know I dropped the ball there, yeah. and I'm really, I'm yeah. sorry. You know, and and I think there's something too about that when you're in those situations, even small things. Like, um, I realized how easy it is for me to make up a lame excuse. Like, okay, so um, I forgot to include this person on an email with some details about a thing that we're doing later on, mm-hmm. and I realized, and someone else said, "Oh yeah, so and so going to to." to your thing and I realized oh my goodness I forgot to include this person on email and so um, immediately what I what I did in my mind was figure out this way to like hey uh, oh, I'll just send to him now and like I won't even say that I forgot I just I'll, yeah. just, I'll just send to him now because yeah. it'll be fine and or like we make these excuses versus just oh man I sent out an email on Monday and I didn't include you I'm so sorry um I, I remembered it. You know, just little things like there's a there's a virtue in honesty in the small things. Because at the end of the day, 
in in that sense, yeah. they're all there isn't a big thing. No, they're all small things. And I yeah. think it, you started this by saying you said something about honesty and yeah. kind of long, when we started the podcast. And I, I think just a great, you know, that is that's it. It yeah. is about honesty. Being honest with yourself, yeah, is excruciatingly hard. Yes. And what I, it's hard in a few ways. One, it's hard to even know what's honest. Yeah. And so the most honest place to start for someone maybe hearing this, and for me some days too, is I have no idea what I'm feeling. Yeah. And I don't know what's honest. Yeah. And I'm afraid to even talk. Yeah. Because everything I want to tell you is honest. It's kind of like really about you. Yeah. And like about, I did that, but, I, you know, everyone does that. Yeah. Sorry I did that, but everyone does. Right. I mean, don't be so, or whatever. Like it's all these things. And so the process to honesty um. I'll tell you, one of the people along the way, my brother, really helped me one time in something he did to me. And he had lied to me about something. I had no idea that he lied. Yeah. It was just like, you know, my brother works a great, he's been in recovery for a long time. And, um, but I knew his recovery was working in hindsight when he called me one day after just a, a, a conversation. I got to a point where I didn't believe anything he ever said. Right. Ever. Right. So, and it wasn't even, I wasn't even mad about it anymore. It was like, good talk, but probably that wasn't true. Yeah. And, uh, um. So I think I had asked him what he did that weekend. This was years ago, 10, 15 years ago. I said, you know, what did you do this weekend? And he told me. And then we hung up the phone rang five minutes later. And he said, hey, I didn't do that this weekend. Hmm. And it was innocuous. Like, I mean, it was like cares? instead of boating, yeah. he went running, right? Yeah. It was like, yeah. it, there, and for him, and he said, I'm sorry. I don't know why I lied to you about that. I just want to tell you I'm sorry. And um. I remember the humility and then he said, because in my program, I can't, I have to have a total honesty. And I just lied to you. And I, I, you know, and I could hear it in his voice, like, gosh, you just want to be able to be like, I lied because. There was no because. Yeah. It's like, because it, it was so innocuous. But I was, his stock went up in my mind. It, it was that, that really changed our relationship. Yeah. And him calling me back and just saying, hey, I, I wasn't honest about that. Yeah. And I'm sorry. He didn't justify. He didn't say, well. It shouldn't matter. I mean, it was just yeah. whatever. He just said that, and that's what I mean when it's on it. When you're talking about real honesty, and so I think you know, this is not an ABC. It's not a formula. It's not. There's no. You know, it's just going. It's just doing the hard work. But it seems like the antidote to blind spots is working toward honesty. Yeah. Honesty with yourself. Honesty in the small things, because let's be honest, and this is not a cliche. It really is. They're all. They're all these little things. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, uh, this is what makes up our life. And so honest with yourself and starting to be honest with people. What if we could just say the shortest, truest thing, quit manipulating others with, here's why I did this, but it's not really the reason why. Mm-hmm. That starts to smell like freedom to me. Can I interrupt one thing? Yeah. I say, the bigger things actually may be easier. Yeah. Yeah. I have told plenty of therapists and people about my sexual abuse. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'd gotten clean about that plenty of right. times. About you know big things that people be like oh man good thanks for getting that off your shoulder yeah you know, getting that out there yeah I think the littler things are harder yeah just living a daily practice of honesty yep and then coming back when you're not when you know you're not it's like yeah. hey I wasn't yeah I wasn't honest there so just go yeah, ahead but no, I interrupted it's, you there it's that, beautiful especially in the Christian <laughs> environment where like we're confessing we'll confess the big thing yeah this is that's not what this is about that's not the honesty I'm no. actually talking about no. I'm talking about how do you pay attention to your own life? Yep. So that you can return home. Yes. How do I pay attention to my own life? Because God is inside of me leading me home. Yes. And he's that good. Yep. That I just believe that. Yep. And yeah. So man. There's this uh, uh actually I'm gonna have him on the podcast in a few weeks. I it's a guy named Andy Gullihorn. Um so I recorded the podcast a couple weeks ago. It's going to come out. Gullahorn, is that the thing they blow at the Vikings games? <laughs> wow, that's, they named it after him. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, no, Andy Gullahorn, he, he told this story, and I'm giving it away, but it, it's still so beautiful. But he wrote a song about it, too. He goes, he was talking to this person um, that told a story about this woman who, she was addicted to alcohol, and she would, you know, throw her bottles out in the trash wouldn't empty them she just th- would throw them out and then drag the trash to the, to the end of the street you know on a Monday night the garbage guys come on Tuesday and then in the middle of the night she can't sleep She's, she goes out and sits in the curb and drinks some dry and she said she had to get to the place 
um, before recovery became real for her and worked for her, where she saw Jesus sitting on the curb with her hmm. while all she was doing on those bottles dry, going, okay, this is, this is how you're dealing with life right now. Yeah. And, and I don't think it's the best way to deal with life right now, but I'm with you. I'm just going to sit here on the curb with you for as long as it takes. Hmm. And, and to me, when you said God, God's leading me home, that's the picture that helps me. Yeah. It's not shame. It's not shape up or ship out. It's not get your program in order right now. It's, oh, there you are. You're lying again. Yeah. You're whatever, whatever your deal is that you're not coming clean about. Jesus is sitting there on the curb with you going, okay. Yeah. Um, he's not surprised. No, not surprised. I feel like I feel like he kind of says, "Okay, like right now your toolkit, Steve. Yeah, it's pretty limited. Yeah, it's like not being honest about that. Yeah, it's drinking. It's right sex. It's right. it's control. It's performance. Right. It's I've got like four tools in my kit or yeah. whatever. You know, it's yeah. like and there's about a, a plethora of amazing other tools. Which yeah. when I talk about program, I almost mean you let yourself learn a bunch of other tools. Get yeah. around people that are using other tools to yeah. actually provide life. Yeah. And just a shout out to my wife. I mean, I, I my wife taught me mm. and is teaching me every day about honesty. Wow. She has an ability to be emotionally honest with herself. Yeah. I mean, watching the grief, monthly grief of infertility and um, watching her wrestle that out. Yeah. Um, was I mean heroic would be a word it, it's also just again it was nor but it was like that was she was doing that life she's doing one day at a time this is how it feels today and there were days of great joy and I'm feeling okay and I'm feeling like it's enough and I'm feeling like hey we aren't guaranteed anything there's no promises and then the next day someone posts a Facebook of being pregnant yep. and it's like oh takes you out take you out or whatever you know whatever it was but watching my wife she just does that in life she just she has her ability to be emotionally honest and to um i just admire that and i've learned from her on that and kind of follow her lead so it would be another thing i'd say how do you find your blind spots get around people that do it better than you yep get around people find some friends yep find some just look for people that can be honest yeah so good, Steve. Uh, we are, I think, needing to wrap it up. Um, was there anything you would ho- you hoped I was going to ask you that I didn't ask you yet? Hmm. No, no. Anything I should ask you? <laughs> well, yeah, a ton, man. How's your second book? How's your second book coming? <laughs> it's going really awesome, actually. Thanks for asking. Steve. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, thank you so much, man. Um, I'm going to put. So I'm going to put like your Twitter handle um, on the show notes. I'm going to put these links to Bessel van der Koken. Is that his name? Yeah, Bessel van der Koek. Van der Koek. Body Keeps the Score and his podcast with Chris the Tippett. I'm going to put The Shack because you talked about him a lot, William Paul Young, and I, I agree. That's a great book. Um, uh, it's just a beautiful book that if you have trouble uh, understanding God, which who doesn't? <laughs> But I just have this, I know, just because I've heard from so many of you that listen to this good word, you do have problems with God, with religion, with church. And the shack is a, is a pretty interesting foray into what God could be. That's really good. So, But Steve, thanks, man. Um, you're a therapist. And um, I'm, I'm going to, yeah, I mean, there might be people out there who they live in the Twin Cities. This thing is rocking their world. Can they get a hold of you at Cedar Hill Therapy and Edina? Yeah. I mean, can they call? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I'll, I'll put that link on the show notes too. Love um, you, buddy. Thanks for having me love on. Love you too, man. It's fun to do this. Huge. Huge. Uh, so, you know, at the end of every podcast, we say the mantra, which is we are dust and breath. We are human and holy. We are limited and limitless, and we're in it together. So I really am so glad to be in it together with you, Steve. I love our conversations, love our Wednesday afternoons, even when I walk away shaking my my old body. You're such a faker. He's really <laughs> strong and fit. <laughs> Not really, but I'm but I'm getting back. You are. I'm I'm getting back. 
Uh, okay, everybody, thanks, grace, and peace. I want to remind you, um, if you're listening to this, like we're putting it out on June 23rd, if you're listening to this on this day or even Friday the 24th, Sobriety and Spirit, 9 to 3 p.m. at Awaken Community in St. Paul with Seth Haynes, Matt Moberg, and myself. We're going to have a great time. There's still spots available. If you want to just even show up at the door, 9 o'clock, Awaken, there will be a link to where we're going to be on the show notes. Um, we would love to have you be a part of it. Or you can get your tickets online beforehand uh, on the link in the show notes. So Sobriety and Spirit is going to be a great time. We cannot wait for it. Uh, okay, everybody, thanks. Grace, peace. See you next week.